This morning uh, is the first week in Advent, and um, it is the week that we celebrate hope. And so today we're going to be talking about hope, and uh, what we do each year is we do use the, uh, the Advent candles. Um, uh, it's just a token of reminder. It's just something of focus that we put our focus on. Um, there's nothing special in it, but I, we think it is um, uh, nice to to have that token and uh, focus of what we are talking about as we expect, as we look forward to the coming of Christ. And um, so let, let me read our passage today as we start our Advent uh, season. And so today I'm going to be reading in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at, at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered to her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We see that this was the first declaration of hope. That there would be a son that was born, that they were, gonna, they were to name him Jesus which means Savior, the Savior of his people. There was a promise given that the Savior was coming. And that is the source of our hope. As we light the candle of hope, we let our hearts hear the promise of God that there is a hope, that God has seen us, that God has heard us, and he has sent a savior. He has sent out of his love the answer that we all need, and that's our hope. Um, we're gonna look at hope in just a second, but before we do that, let's just pray. Let's pray that the hope of God would truly penetrate our hearts that the hope of God would begin to spread across our communities and our nation and our world. Because of any time, 
It is now that we need the hope that God has for us. So would you pray with me? Lord God, I I pray that as we look to your word, I pray that a true sense of hope would begin to grow in us. God, that your hope would become our foundation. That God, your hope would become our motivation. That God, your hope, God, would become, uh, Lord Jesus, even our humility, our brokenness, our repentance. And God, I pray that that hope would begin to spread out from us to those around us. That God, our world would hear that there is a hope. God, that in the midst of fear and anxiety, God, that your hope would be the strength that pulls us together, that draws us to you. And I pray that, God, your hope would just grow in this season and in our communities and in our families and in our hearts, God. I pray that you would do it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It is the hope that God wants to shine during this season. But I want to talk about hope because many times hope can be misconstrued for something that it's not. You see, there's different ways to define hope. First of all, hope can be a desire within us. You know, we we can hope for so many things. You know, we hope that we get that job. We hope that uh, things go okay. We hope that we feel better. And and yet that is a desire within us uh, that is based on a wish. We hope that that happens, and yet that is not biblical hope. So when we talk about hope, we're not talking about a desire that we might have, a wish that, man, we just hope that this happens. And and although that kind of hope can can keep us going a little bit, uh, that type of hope many times destroys us. Because see, a wish, uh, when it is not fulfilled, leaves us empty and broken. And there's no guarantee. It's, it's, it's built upon a desire, which a desire is, is like smoke. It can be blown away in an instant. And yet the hope that the Bible talks about and the hope that, that, that I want to encourage you to take, care, to take into your heart in this season, the hope that, that burns as the Christmas hope, is a hope that is not a wish, it is not a desire, but it is a hope based on a promise. Uh, It is a hope uh, that is a foundational anchor. You see, I'm talking about a a hope that is an anchor that we hold on to. It's not something we just wish for. It is an anchor of conviction that has been given to us through a promise. And what makes the difference is who makes the promise. You see, many times we have that same type of hope when someone uh, makes a promise to us, whether it's a doctor, 
whether it's a friend, whether it's a parent. When we were kids, you know, our parents would make promises and, and that hope, uh, it was our anchor. But yet many times that promise has been left undone. And yet the hope that we want to talk about today is the hope that is based on the promise that God has given us. Now, there's three things about hope that make it the anchor that we need. And um, I want to look at this because um, it is not just something that we we think in our mind, true hope, if hope is going to be truly experienced, and I think many of you need hope, but you have missed uh, the, the characterization of hope um, to where you have not really experienced it. And sometimes hope is the only thing that can get us through some of the things that we are going through. Uh, and yet we are not experiencing hope. I want us to look at uh, some words that Jesus um, uh, gives us and uh, uh, words that the Bible tells us uh, talking about the coming of Jesus. In uh, John chapter 1, starting in verse 9, this is what it talked about, that hope that we just talked about, the hope that was given to Mary that Jesus was coming and Jesus was to be the hope of the world. But look what it says about that hope. It says in, in John chapter one, starting in verse nine, it says the true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, now this passage says Jesus came into the world to be the hope of the world. He was the light that shone in the darkness. And yet it says he came to his own people and they didn't even know him. So if this promise was given to Mary that he is going to be the hope and he comes to his own people and yet they didn't even know him. They didn't experience the hope that was given him. So why did they not experience this hope if it was given to them, if it was declared to them? It shone brightly in their presence and it says that they did not know him. So there must be something that we need to do to activate the hope within us. And so I'm going to talk about those things, that, that um, what can we do to experience this hope? Because many of us are afraid, well, what if I miss it? What if my hope is in the wrong thing? How do I know that I truly have put my hope in the right place? This is what Jesus um, uh, spoke about uh, to his disciples in uh, Matthew chapter 24. Let me turn to it. Matthew 
Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about his second coming. Because we have the hope of his first coming, but now we're talking about he is coming again. And so that hope that we are looking for um, is still to come. And he tells them in verse 36, this is what Jesus says. He says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the son, but the father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the son of man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. And so will be the coming of the Son of Man. If Jesus is our hope, Jesus said, when I come back, the hope that I bring, it is going to happen within an environment that was just like it was during the days of Noah. Now, um, uh, when we look at the days of Noah, Jesus said during that time, they're going to be going about their life, doing everything that they normally do. They they're, they're going to be working, they're going to be marrying, they're going to be celebrating one another, they're going to be enjoying life, and yet it says that they were not aware of what was coming. Now here's the, the first thing about hope. You don't experience hope when you're not aware that you even need it, right? You know, how can you have hope for salvation? How can you hope for something when you don't even realize or you don't even acknowledge that, that you have any need? You see, there's nothing to hope for if you have everything. You know what? If life is just life and, and I'm just going to get the most out of life, then there's nothing to hope for. And you never experience the true hope that goes into the core part of who you are that it becomes your foundation. It becomes that anchor to your life. Now, you might say, well, you know, they didn't know Jesus yet. How, how, they didn't know that the world was about uh, to be uh, uh, destroyed. And yet we know that that is not true uh, because we know that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says this. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning the events that were yet unseen, in reverence, fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes from faith. So it says that Noah was warned by God. And in 2 Peter, um, in 2 Peter, it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. In other words, we know that Noah not only was warned by God, but then he began to preach it to others around him, that he began to warn them. And so this fact that they were unaware, Jesus says that they were unaware, is not true that they did not know. 
So what is Jesus saying about this being unaware? It's that they refuse to acknowledge their need. Yeah, they heard it. They heard the warning, but they didn't take it seriously. You see, they said, Noah, everything is good. You're crazy. And they just did not take it seriously. Today, as we come into this season, God wants hope to begin to grow within us, but that hope cannot grow within us until we begin to become aware of our need. You see, God sent Jesus even the first time as a baby because there was a need of salvation. We were broken. We were separated from God. And he is coming again because there is still a need. And there have been those that, that have refused to receive the first offering. And so the second time will be coming in judgment. And so if we are to experience the hope that Jesus provided at his first coming, then we must begin to wake up and recognize our need now. That we are broken and that we have a need of salvation. You see, Jesus came to his own in his own day. Not only did the people of Noah not accept the need, the people at Jesus' time did not accept the need. You see, at that time, they had the law. And so they said, no, why? we don't need a savior. We have the law. We can follow the law ourselves." And so they put all their hope on themselves. And hope on themselves is not hope. That's just a wish. That's just a desire that I'm just going to desire. I'm just going to do the best I can and put that hope on me. And they didn't think that they needed anything. You said they thought that, you know, we believe in God. And here's the thing. Many of us, we get very comfortable because we believe in Jesus. Well, I believe in Jesus. I don't have any need. You need to understand that we have a need every single day. Every day we need to acknowledge that Jesus is our only hope. And I put my hope in him every morning. That we live a life of repentance. That we begin to let the understanding of who we are be a daily reminder of humility and a daily reminder of hope. You see, when I daily remember who I am, that I am a sinner, I am lost, that I am saved only by faith, and every day I thank God that he came and died for me, that's why I have hope. You see, hope becomes stronger when I realize that I need a Savior, that I'm not good enough to do it by myself, that just because I believe in God, just because I say I'm a Christian, that is not my hope. My hope is in Jesus. And so I humble myself every day and put my hope in him, knowing that I need a savior. It's not just because I said a prayer once and so therefore I don't, I don't have any more need of him because I've already, I've already asked Jesus to forgive my sins and so therefore I'm done. That is a deception. And I'm not saying that we need to get saved every day, but I'm saying the deception is it is not a one-time thing that I just said a prayer, now I can live my life. 
I now, because I said a prayer that one time, now I have the ability every day to humble myself and put my hope in Jesus and, and renew that vow. You see, when you got married, you didn't just stand up in front of the pastor one day and then go off and live your life. No, every day you were married and you worked on that marriage. You see, that is what it means to walk with Jesus, to constantly live in that hope that we have when we gave our life to him. And so that is the humility realizing uh, that, that I need him. So that's the first thing about hope. We've got to understand our need. And, and I think some of us, we just don't understand that we need forgiveness, that we need someone to walk with us every day. Yes, I believe in Jesus, but I know that I trip and I fall every day. And throughout my life, I need someone there with me to walk this life. And my hope rises because I realize that I need to hold on to that anchor. That anchor is there, and so it is my hope every day to realize that I am in a raging sea. And if I let go of this anchor, I am going to be swept away by the waves. You see, when you become comfortable and you don't think you need anything, you think you're okay, oh, I'll just swim over here a little bit. And you don't realize the current is stronger than what you can do. You need to hold on to that anchor. Because when you let go of that anchor and think that you're going to do it on your own for a while, it will take you farther than you ever planned to go. That's what sin does. So if we are to have the hope of Christmas, the hope of Christmas comes from me humbling myself and acknowledging that I need a Savior, that I am lost, I am separated from God, and therefore I have hope. But here's the second part. Um, it says in Genesis, let's pick it up, in the story, in Genesis chapter 6, it says, God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So there is Noah realizing that he is lost, that he is about to be destroyed. The earth is about to be gone. But look what God says. God says to him, but make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And in verse 17, it says, for behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth will die, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark. You, your sons, your wife, your sons, wives with you. You see, God also gave him a promise. God showed him their need, but God also gave them a promise. Build an ark, Noah. I'm gonna show you how to do it. And when you get in that ark, I'm going to make a covenant with you that you will not die. And God gave him a promise. The second part of hope is you've got to not only recognize your need, but then you've got to trust the promise. You've got to trust the promise of God. And here 
is what Christmas is all about, that God made a promise. He made the promise to Mary as we listen today that you are going to have a baby and that baby is going to be called Jesus. And he is going to sit on the throne of his father, David. And he is going to bring us salvation. Now, it didn't happen right away, but Mary trusted the promise. Now, at first she questioned it. Now, trust does not mean you don't question it. Noah, I'm sure, questioned it. He said, God, I don't know how to build an ark. I don't even know what an ark is, but that's okay. He trusted the promise. There's times that we walk with God and we might question, but you know what? There's a difference between questioning and, and not quite understanding and working through it and trusting. You see, I question God sometimes, but I will never stop trusting him. You see, I come to God and say, I have some questions. God, I'm not saying I don't believe you. I am gonna trust you till my dying breath. But God, how, how do I do this? You see, Mary said, how is this possible? I'm just a virgin. But what did she say? She said, but God, I'm your servant. Let it happen. I trust you. If we are going to know hope, you have got to put your trust in God. That means when you don't get healed. That means when you don't get that job. That means when you've spent your last dollar and there's nothing left. Do you trust God? That God's going to have his way? You see, sometimes it means going through the fire. I still am going to trust God. What we're going through now, I, you know what? We don't know why this is happening. It just gets worse and it gets better and then it gets worse. But I'm going to trust God. And I'm not going to start complaining and being critical. I'm just going to trust God. This is God's plan. He knew it from the beginning of time. And he's in control. He can handle it. And so part of trusting God means that I don't try and fix it myself. You see, Noah had to follow what God told him. He had to trust what God told him. He didn't just go do it himself. Who knows what kind of boat he would have built if he did it himself, but he had to trust what God told him. God will give you hope today, people, if you will trust him. That does not mean that things are gonna go great. It does not mean it's gonna be easy. It can be very hard, but there is hope in trusting God that in the middle of this hard road, God has a promise. He promised that there is a covenant with us and that God is going to do it. Will you trust in God? You see, we need to acknowledge that we need him. But secondly, we need to trust in his promise. Now there's a third thing, a final thing, if we are going to experience a hope that gives us an anchor and strength through life, we need to do what it says at the end of Genesis chapter 6, verse 22. And it says this, Now Noah did this, and he did all that God commanded him to do. You see, here's the third thing, to truly experience hope. Now, many times we do the first two, but we don't do the third one. And therefore, our hope runs dry. It becomes brittle because there's a third part of hope. You need to recognize your need. You need to trust God. But here's the thing. But then you need to walk in obedience. 
See, many times we, we acknowledge our need when we are hurt. God, I am broken. I need you. And then we read the word and we hear a, a, a sermon and, and we pray the prayer because, oh, thank God we have a promise and we put our trust in God. But then it doesn't happen and we get discouraged. We get mad at God. We get bitter. You know why? Because we have to then walk it out. We need to walk in obedience. And that's really part of trusting. We say we trust God, but how can we trust without then walking in obedience? It says that Noah did all that God commanded him. Now, if you read the story, it says that it took him 120 years to build that boat. Do you think we would have enough trust to trust God and keep building and, and it seems like nothing is happening for 120 years? We give up after two weeks when God doesn't seem to answer us. And yet Noah did all that God commanded him. We read in John that it said God gave to as many as believed on him, he gave them the right to become children of God. Now, that word believed is not a mental word. It means to walk in, in following, in obedience, in becoming like him. When, when Jesus himself said, believe on me, you notice he followed it up with come and follow me. Because believing without following is not believing. We need to walk in obedience. That means even when it's still hard, we need to lift up our heads and walk with the joy of the Lord and obey him and, walk and, and follow close to him, to what he has told us in his word, to begin to live a life that is faithful, that is filled with the fruit of becoming like him every day. We can't get tired and give up. It, it tells a story, Jesus told the story of those that uh, uh, were waiting for the bridegroom to come. And we know that they waited and they waited and they waited and then five of the 10 ran out of oil and they didn't bring enough and they had to go back to town. And while they were gone, the bridegroom came. You see, if we don't walk in obedience and faithfulness every day, it's in those times that, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna walk away right now. Many times it's in those times that we miss what God has when God shows up. And they'll be really sad when the actual final day when Jesus comes, if we are not there, following him, walking with him. And so the hope that God wants to give us needs to be filled with these three things. Jesus said, just as it was in the days of Noah, it will be when the coming of the Son of Man. I don't want to miss Jesus coming again. Many of those during Jesus' time missed him when he was there because they were not looking for him. They didn't recognize him. First of all, we need to recognize our need. Do you realize that we need to be ready for him? I need to be right with him. And that needs to drive us to our hope. And so therefore, I hold on to my hope because I need him. And without him, I am lost. If you do not acknowledge that, 
the hope that you have will just be a wish. See, many people's hope for Jesus is just a wish. They just think, well, I'll just live as best I can and, and yeah, God will come and I'll be okay. See, it's just based on a wish to go to heaven, not on the hope of what God has said. And so do we acknowledge our need? And then secondly, do we put our trust in him? That I'm gonna trust in the promise that God has given me. Not the promises to bless me to get what I want, but the promise that God has said about his plan. Not about me. See, it's not about us. It's about the coming uh, plan of God, the kingdom of God on this earth. And so I got to put my trust in him. I need to trust in him when things go, not to be distracted by pain or by happiness and pleasure, not to be pulled away when I get tired of following him, but that my trust is in God. And then third, I need to walk in obedience. Are you walking in obedience? When you just become faithful day in and day out, that is when hope becomes our foundation. Hope becomes the anchor that keeps us from the things in this world that want to pull us away. I want to close with this uh, story. It tells us, when Jesus was born, about two people who personified hope. And they walked out these principles of hope. And it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, it says this, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. You know what that means? That says that he had put his trust on the hope of Israel. He had recognized that Israel, his, his people, needed a savior. And he had put his trust in the promise. That's why he was waiting on it. Waiting means trusting God. I will wait. And then look what it says. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It means that he was moved by the Holy Spirit. He was walking in obedience. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ or the Messiah. And so he came in the Spirit. He walked in obedience. He came to church. He came to the temple as he had always done, day in and day out, he had walked in obedience. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to the people of Israel. You see, because he had held on to hope, because he had recognized that he had need, he didn't put his hope in the law and in just religion, but he was waiting for a savior and he put his trust in what God had promised. And so he waited and he obeyed and he was faithful to follow the Holy Spirit. And because of that, his hope was rewarded. He saw Jesus. And the joy of the Lord filled him and the peace of God filled his life. 
And then we see in verse 38, it says, and coming up at that very hour was Anna. And Anna, it says, uh, was a prophetess, uh, advanced in years, having lived with her husband only seven years, and from that point was a virgin and was a widow until she was now 84. And yet she did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and praying night and day. Again, another, now this was a woman of hope. She was holding to the hope of God, fasting and worshiping God and praying for his promise. And it says she came up at that very hour and began to give thanks to God and go and speak of him being Jesus to all the others who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You see, there were people that did see him because they were waiting for him. They had hope because they recognized their need. They trusted in God and they walked in faithful obedience no matter what came their way. And in the end, God rewarded their hope. So in this season, can I call you to a new hope? Can I call you to take hold of hope no matter where you are? Maybe you're going through a dark time in your life where there is pain, there is sorrow, there is fear, there is unknown. You know what? Because of what's going on around, can I encourage you to acknowledge your need for God? Maybe everything is going good. Maybe you're enjoying uh, this time and God has blessed you. Can I encourage you in the middle of your blessing to not be deceived, but to stop and recognize that God could come at any time and I need to put my trust in him and recognize your need for him? That your hope is not in riches or in blessing or in family, but that you would find a new hope based on him? And that as you do this, that you would then begin to commit yourself to a life of obedience, to enter into a new faithfulness this season, to come to God once again in a new heart and let's together take hold of hope and find that anchor in our life, but not only for us, but that we can connect other people to that hope, that we can pull other people and connect them to an anchor in their life that they need. When we do that, we are giving life to them because only the hope that God can give will eventually reward us with life. And that's what this season is all about. Let's pray together.